Bison, go with Correct. Welcome to the Bison Sports Podcast. Your exclusive look at Oklahoma Baptist Athletics. And welcome inside another edition of this week's Bison Sports Podcast. I'm Todd Miller along with Cassidy Fletcher as we get set to look back at the week that was and the look ahead of the week that is here on Bison Hill. Coming up today, we talk Bison baseball, as we'll be joined by Jake Gozo and also Zane Gelfman, also coaches Chris Cox and Cody Painter. That's all coming up in our next couple of segments on the Bison Sports Podcast. Cassidy, just another ho-hum week here in Shawnee on Bison Hill. Not much going on, but there are a few results, I guess, to talk about, right? Just just a little bit. Uh, pretty much everything getting back into the swing of it. Uh, a lot of... Great American Conference Championships coming up, so you got a lot of teams that are rounding out into form, trying to get all their conference games finished up or trying to go to one more meet or one more tournament or play one more game before they have to uh, compete on uh, the scale where they're going to have to go against the the rest of the GAC. Baseball is closing in on a playoff berth of the Great American Conference Tournament in Enid. Softball right now, if the season ended on the outside looking in after a very disappointing one and three trip down to eight. I say one and three. They lost the first game five to four, taking a four to two lead into the bottom of the seventh. ECU walks off and then wins game two. Lady Bison came back, took the first game of Saturday's doubleheader, then lead eight nothing in uh, the late stages of the second ball game. Give up eight runs in the bottom of the inning and then end up losing sixteen to eight. A very very costly one and three road trip to Ada. Yeah, and you look at that that team, and they've had some just very bad luck in terms of scheduling and weather. Uh, they've had to miss some games against some teams at the bottom of the standings that would have really boosted them up, uh, and I think they'd be sitting there just trying to maintain controlling their own destiny at this point. Uh, and I think they pretty much still do. If they, they get on a little run here, they're going to be just fine, but uh, everything's just a little more magnified here. You got a couple more weekends left of conference games. And uh, as we're recording this, actually, they're probably already uh, getting going uh, with, with the conference series against Southern Nazarene. Two very big games today in Bethany and then later in the week here at home. And we'll talk about that against Southeastern. Baseball had a nice week, winning all three of their conference games against East Central. They went 3-1 and one on the week, losing a midweek tilt to Arkansas Fort Smith. That game went extra innings and one of the weirdest lines you'll ever see. Uh, 14-4 to in 10 innings, the final score, as uh, the pitch just absolutely imploded in that 10th inning. And, and just the wheels fell off and they never could get any kind of anything going in that 10th inning. It was very cold that day. Uh, we've had a lot of, of weather issues with baseball and softball. And I thought the, the coaches and the players both uh, talked about that, and that was it was good to hear their perspectives. Uh, a little bit different from the coach and the player's side, but um, at the end of the day, you just got to go out and you got to play under the conditions that uh, that you have. Both teams are enduring the same thing, so uh, just a uh, maybe. I don't know if it was a mental lapse or if really the cold did catch up to them, or if they thought, okay, we just got to get through nine innings and we're good. And that tenth comes up, and everybody kind of just lets off the gas a little bit, but. I agree. It was just a, so strange. Uh, Fort Smith went all the way through the lineup a couple of times in that 10th inning, it seemed like. We were never going to get out of there. And uh, 
giving up 10 in, in the in that inning uh very strange but honestly I wouldn't count I wouldn't put too much stock into it I think if it was a conference game the bleeding would have been stopped a lot sooner knowing that they had conference games coming up I think they wanted to save some arms in the bullpen uh and I honestly believe that everybody was just trying to get out of there. Uh, we're tired of being in the cold. Well, you're going to hear about the razor-thin depth of the bullpen with uh, assistant coach and pitching coach Cody Painter coming up in a later segment of this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast. The key, though, in the week, 3-0 against the Central, all three conference wins. They're now 4-0 with one more game this week against the Tigers here in Shawnee. Track and field scheduled to go to Wichita State. They were scheduled to go to a meet in San Diego that was canceled. I think they're probably tuning up right now for the conference meet coming up this week. And and I think that's right. Uh, they've got an extended conference meet. It's going to be a three day meet, something that you'll see in in the bigger meets and in the national championship is a couple of days. So these multi day meets like that, uh, really just good for the athletes. I think it gives them time to to rest between events, make sure everybody's uh, going to go out there and perform to the best of their ability and. Um, this, the men's and women's teams should be two-time defending GAC champions uh, the last two seasons. Obviously, they were in the transition period, not able to qualify or to to have their scores count. They still got to run the races against this uh, everybody else in the conference. And if you scored the meet as if OBU's points would have counted, they would have won the last two seasons. So I think this is going to be something special for them. Their first chance to actually go in and try to compete and win that first Great American Conference Championship. And I'm looking forward to seeing what what they do, seeing how they can go out there and, and uh, keep it rolling. We need to have a segment on women's tennis here very, very quickly. I mean, they continue to be one of the more dominant programs in any sport, male or female, in the Great American Conference. Congratulations to the Lady Bison. They clinched their first ever Great American Conference tennis title with a 5-1 to one victory over Harding in Oklahoma City last week. How dominant is this program, you ask? OBU has played 19 matches in conference play. They're 18 and 1. That is incredible. Um, the consistency that they've been able to sustain throughout the season is, is just impressive. Uh, to go out there and to play at a high level uh, and to sustain that level for going on three months now, uh, it's it's very difficult to get yourself up every single time uh, that you're going to go out there. And they've, they've answered the bell every, uh, in every match. And you look at from top to bottom, it's difficult to match up with this OBU team. You figure uh, women's tennis going to have the advantage over just about anybody they're playing. And congratulations uh, on, on an, another championship. And Coach uh, Papik and his first season with the team, uh, claiming the Great American Conference title. Injuries are part of sports, but they really seem to be biting OBU athletes on the heels here in the spring. Talked about the Bison baseball team and the pitching staff really having a lot of problems. Lacrosse is playing shorthanded. They made two games out in Colorado uh, last week at a trip. Went 0-2, losing to Adams State and CSU Pueblo. They'll have two more games on the road this week and then the senior day festivities next week against nationally ranked Lindenwood. Men's tennis also having problems with the entry bug. They lose to Harding 5-1. to We told you about this last week, Cassidy, when they beat Washita 5-4. to When you're having to forfeit some uh, doubles matches, you don't leave much room for error. And unfortunately, if the rest don't sweep, you lose. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and it's, a, it's unfortunate because those guys, uh, 
when they are healthy, the the men are can compete with just about anybody in the conference. And and you look and right now the the margin of error is non-existent. Uh, you you have one person lose a match and or lose really at all, and and you don't have a, an opportunity to to come back and win. Um, that that's really been uh, a struggle for them to close out the season. I hope that they get some guys back healthy. Uh, uh, still yet to see if they're going to have a full squad going really into the to the last few matches of the year. Uh, but you just hope for for health there. And then again with uh, lacrosse, just continues. You see everybody be really playing well, and then they'll have a couple of really key injuries. And right now. It's it's just as much about the injuries they have and who the injuries are to and where they play in the field. Some very uh, pivotal pieces, really, in, in the in the midfield and on the attacking uh, part of of that roster. Uh, you just don't have the production uh, that you're used to all season, and so I think that puts more pressure on the rest of the girls, and it it kills your depth uh, when you really didn't have just a ton of depth to begin with. Women's golf last week was involved in the ultra-tough Central Region Spring Preview Championships. They finished 10th, and again, that's not terrible because that's a large field, and there's some really, really good teams there. And, that, and that's very true. And that team right now uh, really starting to round out into form. I know they have an opportunity. Uh, if they go out and perform well in the Great American Conference Tournament, they could jump up high enough in the region rankings Uh to go ahead and get a bid to to the regional, uh, it's the top twelve teams from each region uh, are, go on to that regional, and, and that's how you determine uh, who continues to go into the postseason until you get to the national championship and that kind of thing. So, you want to make that first step, OBU eligible again for the first time this season uh, to make that. And right now, I think they've got themselves in a good position. Uh, got their final tournament of of the regular season coming up the great american conference championship and if they can go out and perform the way that they're all capable of uh, there's there's no reason that women's golf shouldn't keep playing uh on well past in into may men's golf in action this week they are playing at the natural state classic in the natural state after day one dalton roden was in first place with a tournament best two under par 69. That's a team that I think can maybe surprise some people in the in the postseason. I you know, I agree. They're going to have to uh, looking at their regional ranking and their path ahead. It's a very difficult one for them. Um they're likely going to have to win the conference championship in order to, to continue going moving forward. But uh you see some of these performances that these guys are having and they're just very impressive. Uh, I think it's getting everyone on the same page at the same time that's going to be the key for that team. You have guys go out and shoot a 69 one day. Uh, somebody else may shoot a, a 71 two days later uh, or at the next tournament. If you can get all those guys playing their best golf to, at the same time, uh, there's really they can compete with just about anybody in this conference, and I think you, you could see them uh, comp really competing in the region. This week on Bison Hill, we'll look at all the activities involving OBU's men's and women's athletic teams. And again, as Cassidy alluded to, it is Great American Conference Championship time for three sports. Baseball continues its regular season down at Durant against Southeastern on Friday at 2. That'll be a single nine-inning game, the Bison back of the Diamond, for a doubleheader starting in Durant at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Softball will host Southeastern here in Shawnee for four games. 
starting at 4 o'clock on Friday, a doubleheader at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Senior Day also is Saturday for the Letty Bison. The cross is on the road for two more games this week, Friday at 6 o'clock at St. Mary's, Saturday up at Kansas City at Rockhurst. That game gets underway at 2 o'clock. Tennis is at the Men's and Women's Great American Conference Championships Friday at Bentonville, Arkansas. They also will continue their regular season with a duel at Abilene Christian next Tuesday, April the 24th. Men's and women's track, as we alluded to, goes to the Great American Conference Championships hosted by Southern Arkansas University in Magnolia. That begins on Thursday and runs through Saturday. And Sunday through next Tuesday, it's the Men's and Women's Golf Tournament, the Great American Conference Championships in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That is a look at the past week on Bison Hill and this week's activities involving OBU student-athletes. When we return, we're going to have our players segment. Zane Gelfman and Jake Gozo will join us as today we talk Oklahoma Baptist baseball. That's next to this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast. OBU students, are you looking to begin a career in athletics? Well, here's your chance. Get your start in college athletics today by joining the Charge Crew. Help create the game day environment by executing marketing plans, special presentations, and game day promotions for all OBU home athletic events. For more information and an application to sign up, visit obubison.com slash charge crew. Hey fans, need new bison apparel? ShopOBUBison.com is the only place online to purchase officially licensed bison apparel, accessories, and more. Open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Visit ShopOBUBison.com today. to this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast, talking Oklahoma Baptist baseball. I'm Todd Miller, along with Cassidy Fletcher, Jake Gozo, and Zane Gelfman. Join us here for this week's player segment. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You guys act like you're actually excited to be in here. Definitely. We definitely are. All right, Jake, let's start with you. 16-game hit streak came to an end last weekend. You said before we came on that wasn't really something that you even thought about. Are you telling me the truth? No, I am. You know, I I don't look. I don't try to look into that. Um, I don't try to look at stats. Like my dad always sends me my stats, and I told him last time I talked to him on the phone. Like, if you send me my stats again, I'm not going to answer your phone calls. You know, so I don't like to look into it too much because baseball it's superstitious and however you want to look at it. But yeah, you have been swinging the bat very very well. It seems like you got off to a little bit of a slow start. What's kind of been the turnaround for you uh, over the last month of the season? Uh, definitely more mental. You know, more of a, a mental game changer. Um, cause I mean, mechanically I worked on my swing all fall, it's not mechanical. Um, you know, I just started, started looking at the game in a different perspective. Zane, you're coming off a huge weekend. Uh, in fact, a huge week, four home runs and what, four games, uh, you seem to be kind of hitting your stride now with the plate as well. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably say so for me, it's a, probably more of a mechanical thing. I, uh, just started being a lot more short and direct to the ball. I was, I was getting pretty long and I mean, my, role on the team is to kind of <clears throat> hit the ball in the gaps and, and drive in runs and uh, <clears throat> just be a run producer for the team. And uh, I was kind of taking that a little too much to heart and, and getting really long. And uh, I was late on some fastballs that I shouldn't be missing. And I just kind of started shortening up and that produced a lot. You guys are both talking about mechanics in your swing. Mm-hmm. It obviously does not take a hitter <clears throat> long to fall into bad habits. How long does it take to make those adjustments to get your swing corrected again? Uh, well, for me, it took me about a month and a half, possibly two months. I fell, I fell out of it pretty easy, and it took me, 
more than a month to get back to where I was at the start of the year. I, I kind of disappeared for a little bit, but I mean, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. <clears throat> uh, muscle memory, it doesn't come easy. It's it's not it's not a quick fix for sure if it's mechanical. So uh, it could take just as long as a month, month and a half, you know. But sometimes even whole seasons, some people can't figure it out. So Baseball is a game of repetition. The more you play, the better you are. And this weather this year has been a little bit squirrely headed. In fact, it's forced series to be canceled in part, games to be lost during midweek. How difficult has that been on you guys physically and mentally uh, as far as the part of the game? Um. I think it's it's definitely been difficult in the sense that uh, you really can't use it as a crutch because there's a lot of times where you can roll out on a cold day and kind of just blame it on the weather uh, for not doing as well as you want and, and everyone huddling together in the dugout. And that's what Boss really preaches to us is we don't want to be that team that doesn't want to be there even though <clears throat> the weather is not perfect and ideal. Uh, we still want to go out there and get the job done. And, and it definitely changes your approach as a hitter in the sense that if the wind's blowing in and it's 40 degrees, you can't just try and sit back and just try and hit the ball 400 feet because it's most likely not going to happen. So it's, it's it's a different game. It's it's honestly a whole another game when you're playing in 40 degrees wind blowing in. So we've had to adjust to that part. Has it been difficult on you? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, we, we both come from California, me and Zane. So, uh, you know, I come from uh, – I played Juco in Orange County. So, it's just – it's 70 and sunny every day. Um, so, it's definitely different. It's more of a mental thing. And, you know, as a team, you know, we're a team that drives and runs. And we're a team that plays gap-to-gap ball. Anyone can put it out at any time. So, when the wind's blown in and it's cold, it's it's definitely a big adjustment for us. It's been a big adjustment for you in the outfield playing here in Oklahoma, hadn't it? I was kidding with you that uh, you make circus catches from time to time, but actually the outfield is a natural position for you. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm starting to feel more comfortable. Uh, I'm starting to grow in my body a little bit. Um, starting to use my height. I'm starting to figure out my arm. Um, so body's feeling good with it, so I'm just going to keep rolling. What's been the biggest adjustment for you moving the first month plus of the season in the infield out to the outfield? There is big adjustments that have to be made. Yeah, I mean, it's just the prep work, you know. I mean, a lot of a lot of fungo man, um, a lot of just seeing where the ball is going to take, like take the path off the bat. You know, that's the biggest thing, especially in batting practice. Um, just a lot of reputation, just seeing the ball better. How about the catch you made against East Central the other day? Uh, it almost looked like you overplayed it, but the ball, the wind was pushing it over your head, and you used your big frame, I guess, to make make a pretty nice catch near the fence. Uh, yeah, you know, I, my first step was in, which probably wasn't the right step, but uh, I made an adjustment and ran back and leaped for it and luckily caught it. So. Zane, I know that defense is something that you spend a lot of time on as well. A lot of people think of you as an offensive player, but for two years you've manned a very difficult position on the diamond, and that's third base. Uh, yeah, um, I actually just started playing third base uh, my freshman year at junior college. <clears throat> That's kind of when I singled myself into one position. Um, the first, the most important part about third base is definitely the first step. Um, so for third, it's, it's just a lot of reps. You know, for short, for some uh, position like short or second, it's a, it's about quick feet and footwork and getting yourself in the right position to make a quick throw. And for third base, um, you're it's a very uh, vertical position where you're not necessarily playing side to side, but you're playing back and forth. So your first step's either in or back, kind of like outfield, where if it's a hard hit ball to your left or right, you're you're 
probably going to want to drop step and kind of go with the ball rather than kind of just move to the side of it. So it's, it was definitely, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of learning curves <clears throat> to get to where I've been, but I, I feel like I've. You're, you're a, 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 another example of a player that <clears throat> in college may play a totally different position than they've really ever played before. <clears throat> what is the reason for that? Um, I think the reason is just growing into myself as a player because I actually played uh, first base my senior year of high school. So um, usually you think of a first baseman and, they, and they've usually been moved to first base from a position like third or short. And so I, I kind of went the opposite way from a kind of a less quote-unquote skilled position to a more specialized position. And so that was definitely part of the learning curve. Zane Gelfman and Jake Gozo of OVU Baseball visiting with us here on this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast. Zane, last year was your first year here on Bison Hill. You won a national championship. This team, to me, is much, much more talented. Do you agree? And do you feel like your best baseball still lies ahead? Oh, absolutely. I think that going into going into the fall, we could all see that we could hit and we could pitch and we could play defense. And, and we had all the pieces to go really far into – the D2 playoffs and um, I think a lot of us would say to this point we haven't quite lived up to our own expectations of our team Uh, but I think that everyone's working so hard to figure it out and everyone's kind of starting to figure it out at the right time and click at the right time. And I really think we have our best baseball ahead of us. I was going to ask you, Jake, you don't want to be playing your best baseball in, in February and March. You want to be getting ready to hit your stride right about now. Do you feel like the sky's the limit over the next month or so for this team? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have to agree with Zane on everything, you know. In fall, we, you know, our, our jaws were down because this is the best team that at least I've been a part of and a lot of people would agree with you that. And uh, I think what really sets us apart is maturity. You know, this is a junior college heavily or heavily recruited school. And I think that really is going to help us in the long run just for maturity wise and uh, experience wise. So you guys both have played junior college baseball in California where there's some really good players and really good teams out there. How do you assess the Great American Conference? Because from my vantage point, top to bottom, it seems like it's a pretty good league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's consistent pitching, um, consistent hitters. Uh, I think uh, there's some a lot of good teams out there, and it, it's 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 pretty fun. So, your opinion on it, Jake or Zane? Um, I've been saying this from day one of of the spring. Uh, this year's GAC conference is a lot better than last year's. I would say just just from experience, I, I've seen a lot better pitching, and I've seen a lot better hitters, deeper lineups, and better defense. Just just everywhere in every aspect, I think that this conference got really competitive it was already competitive and it got even more competitive this year I know you hope to be playing past this year as far as your playing career is concerned but has it set in with you yet you're a senior this is it for you at the college level uh it definitely set has set in with me um there's a big kind of learning curve in uh that sense where as a senior um you really gotta focus on the now and not not spend too much time worrying about the future and worrying about the past and I've talked to a lot of, of my old teammates um, that were seniors last year and stuff that kind of went through the same thing. And you look at them from the outside and you kind of say, oh, well, I'm not I'm not really going <clears> to <throat> let it get to me as a senior. And then you get into your senior year 
and it's it's very easy um, to let it consume uh, consume you. So it's a big, definitely a big. You got to put a big emphasis on just going out there and playing. We touched on the weather a moment ago here in Oklahoma. I guess it's just something you go through when you live here your entire life. But for you guys, you said, man, I really miss Southern California's weather. It's a pretty tough life, isn't it, Jake? Uh, it's just a big adjustment. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, at my junior college in Orange County, and you, know, you wake up and you just take it for granted. You know, 70 and sunny every day it just kind of gets old after a while. And uh, at least I, I look at it back then. That's how I looked at it. But now it's just, it's just I don't know, it's just big adjustments um, mentally, you know, just buy more cold gear. Uh, and just get through it. So, is it difficult to play in sub freezing wind chills when you've never had to do that at any point in your career? Uh, I think it's difficult no matter what. You can play as many games as you want in wind chill, and it's still going to be difficult. It's still going to be a different ball game. You got hit the other day. Did that hurt? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I, I mean, that I think was, even uh, in the best conditions, that couldn't have felt very well, but no, you were hobbling it, around the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, it, uh, it stung a little bit, but. Still got bruised from it, so that's fun. Tell us your path here to Oklahoma Baptist, a Southern California kid, Jake, that finds his way to Shawnee. Uh, yeah. Um, so in the, my fall of my sophomore year, uh, OBU came out, CC and Painter, and uh, they were really the first college interest, four-year university interest, and uh, they ended up offering me um, early that year, and then I ended up signing in April. So then I And then I, well, I visited in uh, December, and it was about, uh, I think, I don't know, Cece could uh, relate to this. It was, I think, when he picked me up to take me home to the airport, it was like ten degrees with a wind chill. So I don't know. So there were no surprises. There was from the, no surprises. The yeah, no surprises. But uh, yeah, so they they came out on a, recruit, a recruiting trip, and I couldn't turn it down. So pretty close knit bunch, aren't you guys? I mean, you played on two teams, Zane, that really have each other's back. Definitely. Um, I think that's another aspect where we just saw it in the fall where everyone wanted to spend time with everyone and we would always be together um, no matter kind of what the situation was and I mean if whether it's kind of going out to the city and just hanging out or just hanging out at each other's houses where we just spend a lot of time just connecting with one another guys you were excellent will you come back yeah let's do a playoff edition how's that let's do it sounds good great to have you guys good luck all right thank you thank you zane gelfman and jake gozo our guest here with the player segment of this week's bison sports podcast we're back and we'll talk more on bison baseball in a moment chris cox and cody painter join us next on the bison sports podcast Fans, stay up to date on the latest at OBU Sports. Follow Oklahoma Baptist University Athletics on Facebook at OBU Bison and on Twitter and Instagram at OBU underscore athletics. Welcome back to another segment of this week's Bison Sports Podcast. Todd Miller, Cassidy Fletcher, again, our featured guests involve Oklahoma Baptist baseball today. Thank you so much to Zane Gelfman and Jake Gozo for stopping by and visiting with us. Time to hear from the coaches Chris Cox, Cody Painter joins us, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Todd, thank you. Always a pleasure. Cece, let's start with you. Weather is a little bit squirrely. We talked with your California boys in the last segment. That's really kind of spilled over to about every aspect of this team, hasn't it? It has. It's, uh, you know, you look across the board, across the country, the weather has been a factor and been an issue. Uh, but that being said, it's never going to be an excuse for us. I mean, we prepare every day. We prepare in the fall. 
even in January and February, in tough conditions. Uh, we feel our guys are mentally tough enough to deal with it because we know that spring weather in Oklahoma is unpredictable. So if we're going to base our success off whether we have a good spring uh, weather-wise, uh, you know, some years you're not going to be very successful. So I think mentally our guys have got to <clears throat> have got to be tough enough to get through it. I asked you before we came on, and I'll ask you now, you got off to – a sizzling start to your lineup, which I think is as good as it's been one through nine since I've been with you, um, look like the 1927 Yankees. I mean, you're averaging double digits and runs and hits. Then the weather changes. Has it been a part of the weather? Has it been that you've seen better pitching at the Great American Conference? Why one through nine has this lineup seemingly taken a little bit of a step back? Yeah, I definitely think it's a it's a combination of some things. Uh, we've definitely ran into some good arms across the league. Uh, good starting arms, Southern Arc, of course, and Henderson. Those guys run out good arms every year. Uh, like I said, you never want to make the weather an excuse for, for what you're going through. Uh, I think this team definitely is built, as uh, our guys were saying earlier, a gap-to-gap type of team. You know, we're not going to play base-to-base. We're not going to. We're not a team that's built on manufacturing small ball type of thing. We're, we're uh, kind of like – the old Orioles, we sometimes sit back and wait on, wait on the three-run home run. So, you know, but definitely the, the pitching we faced has been good, but I, I really think they're hitting their stride. I really feel good about the next two weeks in conference and, and where they're at as a group as a whole. And then uh, making a run in the postseason, I feel good about the direction they're going. CC, as I talked to the players a moment ago, you want to be playing good baseball in February, and you were, but you want to be playing better baseball at the end of April and into May. You guys still feel like you've got your best baseball in the next month or so ahead, don't you? Almost definitely. I think as you can talk to, to Coach Painter about, I think on, on the mound, I think we've really gotten some things uh, figured out here recently. Had have had to deal with a lot of injuries on the mound and had a lot of guys step up here recently and I think that are just now becoming comfortable in their roles. And so I think uh, we've seen a lot of stability there and look forward to, to that going forward. And like I said, I think the hitters are really – I think the, their best baseball is definitely ahead of them from what I've seen. CC, do you feel like maybe some of the offensive woes have stemmed from the injuries to the pitching staff and one through nine, those guys really feeling like maybe they have to um, carry more of the load of this team? You know, definitely. I think we went through a stretch there uh, where we had some guys pressing. And, you know, we you know more talked, talked about, you know, baseball and baseball being a game of failure. And the guys, especially offensively, the only way you're going to overcome it is to be able to deal with that failure and deal with adversity and not let it get to you. But I, I feel that um, the guys have definitely made adjustments. I think, you know, we talked about there in the middle part of the season, it seemed like our problem wasn't necessarily getting guys on. Our, the bases were littered at time, times with our guys, but I didn't feel we had a guy that was stepping up and getting that big hit and driving runs in. I think you can definitely see our RBI production from our guys in the middle has has increased immensely over the last two to three weeks. And I think that confidence is there with them now, and I expect it to remain there. One of the guys that has really started to impress me is P.J. Harris. You obviously knew what you were getting or thought you knew what you were getting when you brought him in. But a kid that hadn't played now in over a year, there's always that question mark. Is he even maybe to this point surprised you a little bit? Well, you know, we knew when we brought P.J. in and we've dealt with guys in the past that have had some time off and things like that, that it's a process. And so we knew that there were going to be some struggles with P.J., but we knew 
we had to keep running him out there every day in order for it. That's the only way it's going to get fixed and get P.J. back to being P.J. So we've definitely been uh, pleased that any time you can have a guy like that in that position of the order, I don't think there's anybody else in the Great American Conference that's running a guy like that out there where he's hitting in the lineup right now. And I only expect it to get better not towards – the end of this season, but next year going into his senior season. Chris Cox, Cody Painter, our guest on the Coaches segment of this week's Bison Sports Podcast. One more question for you, and then we'll talk pitching. I'm going to plead guilty here. I think your middle infield is really good with McKee and Bloomfield, but we've gotten spoiled having only with Kevin Almeida and Dustin Cook. I mean, there's just a big, big difference, but these guys have been really solid for you this year. They have, they have there. And there's no question, you know, we talked about it uh, with now one of our assistant coaches, Keach Ballard, who played in the Houston Astros organization. You, you can go back even further to the end with him and Yariel Gonzalez up the middle. Uh, we're very spoiled and very spoiled. Like you said, with Dustin and, and Kevin, uh, I think Kevin might've been the best guy I've ever seen coached or played with at second base at turning the double play. But uh, Bloomer and, and McKee have done a great job for us, great leaders on the field, and have done an exceptional job for us and have really blossomed and taken over that role. Because as you know, with baseball, you're only as good as your middle. You're built up the middle, whether it's behind the plate with Juan and Matt and Bloomer and Garrett up the middle and, uh, and Bergie. And I think we're really good there, and that's allowed us to have some success. Cody, let's talk pitching for just a moment. Um, last year... You were really deep. Everything went good. This year, you thought you had a lot of depth. Things haven't gone so well in terms of the injury department, but overall, I think you have to be pleased with the way you have had guys step up for you and get you to this point in the season. Absolutely. You look week in, week out. We're putting guys in situations they probably weren't um, accustomed to, and they really weren't brought here to be those type of guys, but they've been forced into those roles, and they've – they prepared well and they're ready and and obviously they've they've done you know a good enough job to get us to this point and I'm excited what we have looking forward. One of the guys you're talking about is Caleb Bly. I think he has surprised every one of us in this room. You knew he was going to be quality, but man, he has really had to step up and he has done everything, whether it's come out of the bullpen or as a starter on the weekend that you've asked of him. Ever since we talked to him last year about the red shirt, about giving himself a year to grow, uh, to get stronger, to get his arm where it needed to be, to work on command, um, he bought right in and he worked hard. He used that red shirt year to really propel him to prepare for this year in case he was forced into a role like this. And he's just he's taken every um, opportunity and ran with it so far. You were talking about he still needs to develop another pitch. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised with the success against the hitters that he faces on a week-in, a week-out basis that this early in his career with the lack of really three command pitchers that he's been as successful as he has? Well, it just it shows you how good the change-up's been. I mean, the change-up has been so good that he has been able to work off the fastball change-up. And so, yeah, I am a little bit surprised, honestly. Um, but I think that kind of shows you sky's the limit. Once we do develop that third pitch um, – in the breaking ball and become more consistent with that, there's no telling how good we can be there. I asked Chris a minute ago about P.J. Harris. Unfortunately, you get Michael Yarber because of the demise <laughs> of St. Gregory's, and you hate that. But, well, looking back, I, I was driving home the other night thinking, where would we be mm-hmm. right now without Michael Yarber? No doubt. he's uh, You know, he struggled a little bit early, 
but he uh, he's one of those guys that even when things weren't going his way, it didn't take away from his preparation week to week and day to day. Um, he got on the mound every time, you know, throughout the week in, in his flat grounds and short boxes, and he put a lot of effort into those to make sure that he became the guy we needed him to be. Michael has stepped up, accepted the almost the number one role with Alberta's mm-hmm. out. He's a guy that has really benefited, I think, from your tutelage here the first and only year at Bison Hill, but you knew he was good. I mean, won nine games last year at St. Gregory's and beat a very good OCU team. Absolutely. We knew what we were getting when we when we signed him and when everything went down. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited to see what he can do on this stretch through the end of the regular season and into the conference tournament, hopefully. Um, I think he's kind of just now taking stride. I know he's one conference pitcher of the week, uh, you know, a month back, twice already, I think it is. Uh, but I think I think his best outings are ahead of him. Thomas Schroeder is a guy that I know you're very happy to have in the fold. You and I were talking about it back in February, that you'd recruited him uh, even before you this last mm-hmm. time when you got him here. What is his future? You've used him kind of in, in, in spot times out there on the mound at relief. Is he a guy that long-term you see him maybe projecting as a starter? Yeah, I think that's where he's most comfortable. You know, that, that had been his role through high school and uh, into his freshman year of junior college where he had a lot of success at Arizona Western in 2015. Um, went to University of Texas Arlington as a starter, and it didn't work out there. Thankfully, he redshirted there, so we have him for next year. But um, moving forward, looking into next year, I think that's probably where he's going to fit in best is as a starter. He he needs a little bit of time to settle in, and he's a guy that I feel very comfortable in, in throwing him out there, and he's going to get us five to seven innings. For the most part, I think he's looked pretty comfortable in the role you've put him this year. But I think the last couple of times I've seen him, including the Central last weekend, he looks a lot more like the guy you thought you were bringing in from from Arlington right he's had to overcome a lot mentally he's had to um, you know he didn't have a great experience at UTA didn't have a great sophomore year in junior college to tell the truth and and overcame a lot and he understands now the type of pitcher he can be and the type of success he can have at this level and uh, he's he's doing very good for us. Albertus Barber, a guy that was pitching very very well out of the number one spot at the start of the year you shut him down with some arm and shoulder stiffness and soreness mm-hmm. uh, for the last three weeks. Does that help him, though, going forward? I mean, he's going to be like almost a fresh pitcher going into the postseason. He is. You know, he took the line drive off his throwing elbow against Wachita um, at the at the beginning of the conference season, and he kind of battled through. He had some swelling from that and battled through, and he was uh, racking up his pitch count there for a while, and, and it was more innings than he was ever used to before he got here. But he does such a great job preparing and, and conditioning and everything. He was okay there. But with him out the last three weeks and those other guys have taken the opportunities and stepped up, like you said, he's had an opportunity to um, get his arm back where it needs to be down the stretch. One of the things that you guys have always adapted the mentality is next man up. We don't, we don't apologize if somebody's hurt or we lose somebody to graduation. It's the next guy up. It's your time. No excuses. One of those guys that really filled that role is Andrew Eppenbach. We didn't see him a whole lot. And really, you take away the the start, or not the start, but the relief appearance against Fort Smith last week. He's been really, really good for you, Adam. He has, and even in that appearance against Fort Smith, he comes in a jam with two outs in the eighth, gets out of that. The ninth inning is three up, three down, I believe, a clean, uh, quick inning. 
And then we have a lapse going into the 10th. And obviously we know what that, that turned out to be. But like you said, you take that away, and he's a, he's a lot like Schroeder in that he's overcome a lot mentally on the mound. He's starting to see how good he, he can really be. He's been told that for a long time, committed to San Diego, stays a sophomore in high school. Um, he's always been projected well. But this is the first time in his college career he's really taken advantage of it, and uh, you're starting to see it pay off. One of the guys that has just been riddled with injuries is Nick Burnham. You would have loved to have had him as a closer. Looking back, Cody, do you wish now maybe you guys would have redshirted him, or is that something he absolutely did not want to have happen because he really was never healthy from the first pitch he threw this season? Yeah, he's a guy he wanted to play this year, and he we brought him in the office and we had that conversation. He told us he wanted to do whatever he could um, until it burned out. He wanted to do whatever he could to help this team out this year, and so – we rolled with it and um, he's, you know, struggling with injuries right now. Hopefully we can get some results back and, and have him done the stretch. Strikeouts. You guys have been among the, not only the conference, but the nation's best. What's the key to the success and dominance on the mound? I think it starts with guys having conviction in their pitches and, and being confident in what's put down by the catcher by Juan or Matt uh, I think another part of it is is Juan and Matt is is a battery is the catchers, uh, they've done a great job and and they give a good presentation behind the plate to the umpires and they've done a good job of setting up hitters. They go with the game plan that's given to them and uh, they've just executed well. Talking OBU baseball with Chris Cox and Cody Painter, I want to talk about Juan for just a moment because he's been here for two years. Everybody thinks about him as a great offensive player. And he is, but to me, he's as valuable or more so, as you mentioned, handling the pitching staff. I mean, he's almost like having another coach on staff, isn't he? Absolutely. And we knew that when we signed him. Uh, came from College of San Mateo in California. And every time we talked to a coach, anytime we talked to a pitcher, recruit a pitcher from San Mateo, they had nothing but great things to say about him. And that was the guy they wanted to pitch to in the big situation, in the big game. Uh, because they knew he was going to have their back, and they knew that he was going to always be in control of the situation. Nothing that was ever going to get too fast for him. And so it's been a huge help having him behind the plate for us, and obviously he's a big part of the success we've had. Zach Fowler's a guy you need to be like Zach Fowler, don't you? And we're starting to see some signs of that. He didn't have his best start, I didn't think, against East Central last week, but that kid's a bulldog, man. He doesn't want to come out of the <laughs> ball game. One of the reasons he has four complete games for you. Right. Bulldog defines Zach Fowler, no doubt. And uh, you saw it last year and you're seeing it again this year. And, and just like you said, you know, coming down to our final two weekends, hopefully making a run through conference tournament. Uh, when when the lights are bright, he's going to do well. You know, we talked with Chris about this a moment ago, how spoilt we've gotten with the middle infielders here on mm -hmm. Bison Hill. We've become spoilt with dominant pitching staffs mm -hmm. that have sub four earn run averages, mm -hmm. which today in today's world blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Having said that, you're at four and a half. You're still right at the top of the conference in that category. Are you pleased with taking all things into consideration the way this team's pitched? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, we like to be better, and and there are things that we can improve on, and we've learned from this year. But we've talked about all these guys that have got thrown into situations they weren't. Uh, necessarily anticipating to be thrown into, and, and they've done well with what they've been given. How much has the transition for the NAI to Division II helped you in recruiting pitching? And even further, 
a likes of like Taylor Hearn mm -hmm. and his success on the professional level, how much does that help you to go out and sell your program? Oh, it's tremendous. You know, we're selling, we're trying to, um, we're selling the fact that we can go make an NCAA tournament every year. And we have the resources and the ability to do that at a place like Oklahoma Baptist. There's no reason we can't contend for a regional every single year. And um, like you said, as far as the pitching goes, we're able to sell the draft. We've had as much success as any small college in this region is moving pitchers onto the next level and giving them a chance to play professional baseball. Chris, I want to ask you about your dad. I know this is kind of hard for you to answer because you work for the man, but yet he's your dad. The thing I have admired about him in the three years being part of the program is that he's ultra successful. He's one of the best at what he's ever done. The record bears that to be the case. But yet his ego, he's able to hold that in check and let you guys go out and do your job. That's pretty uncommon at this level, isn't it? Yeah, I just it, I think it speaks to the man he is. I yep. think it was the man, the, you know, the man he was raised to be, you know, son of a peanut farmer. He worked every day in his life, whether it was getting up at five in the morning to go move irrigation pipe before school and then going to it afterwards. So all he knows is to put his head down and go to work every day. He's never a guy that's going to want it. Want all the recognition or the accolades, all the recognition and accolades he needs is down there in that locker room with those young men and him seeing them grow every day, whether it's on the baseball field or whether it's beyond baseball, becoming successful <clears throat> husbands and fathers and in business. And I think that, uh, that's where his greatest accolades and accomplishments come from. Last couple of years, one of the things you guys have been able to do is make deep runs in the postseason and set yourself up because of the schedule in conference to have really good runs late into April. You guys feel like that run's still coming, and do you feel good about the chances of playing on beyond the conference tournament? You know, <clears throat> next two weeks are huge for us. Uh, Southeastern coming up this week. They get week. They've got a very talented ball club, and then SNU, the rivalry to finish the year. And you know, those games are always highly contested and. So we've got some big games ahead of us. We want, we want to look at those games right now, but I feel I definitely feel these guys are trending in the right direction. I think they've got a lot of good baseball ahead of them, and, and we're, we're ready to get on board for a good ride down the stretch run. This is my opinion, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think the Great American Conference 1 through 12 is much better than it's been in the three years that I've seen it. I don't know that the top teams are as dominant maybe as they have been, but the teams that have been the bottom feeders, in my opinion, is what's leading to the strength of this league, they have really improved. Oh, definitely. Hey, every weekend <clears throat> when you go out, there's there's no one that in the conference that you're going to show up and can just roll it out there. You can't just show up and expect to win. There's definitely quality depth, 1 through 12, and I think that's evident. As you as you look across the scoreboard every weekend, you know, things you thought may, you know, stand pat in the past, that's not the case anymore and where we're at right now. So definitely I think the league is very deep. Guys, appreciate you coming in. Always good to see you, and we'll see you later today. Appreciate it, Todd. CC and Cody Painter visiting with us here as we talk Oklahoma Baptist baseball in this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast. We're back to wrap it up in just a moment. OBUBison.com, the official website of OBU Athletics. Get the latest news on all of your favorite Bison sports and listen to the live streams on OBUBison.com. Hey listeners, this is Rory Taylor, a student at OBU and editor of this podcast. If you like our podcast, you should rate and review us. Just go on iTunes or SoundCloud, give us five stars, and leave us your thoughts.
back on our final segment of this week's edition of the Bison Sports Podcast. Again, we enjoyed our baseball talk this afternoon with Zane and Jake, also Chris Cox and Cody Painter. Very well-spoken young men, Cassidy, that we had today here on the program. Very impressive uh, what they were, the perspective they were able to give on this program. You know, we watched their games uh, every single week, and I, I always like to, to get a chance to kind of peek behind the curtain, see what they're thinking, uh, find out their approach in the offseason and, and then during the season as well. Uh, and it was just very good. Uh, we say this almost every single time, how well-spoken everyone is and how we're just excited to, to get a chance to find more, more about these players. But uh, once again, baseball team comes through, and, uh, and we had a fantastic uh, pair of guys to interview. I think people understand this. If they don't, they will by listening to these podcasts. Not only is OBU very successful on the field, they have some great young men and women representing the university off the field. And again, I think that's one of the goals of this podcast is to shine light on the student athletes that maybe you know about, but you don't know personally. And, that, and that's right. And I think a lot of the athletes that we've been able to put into a, a spotlight, uh, they have really performed just the way that you'd expect them to. Uh, they, they carry themselves very well. And, you know, everybody here at OBU, you know, you look at it, and they're they're OBU students as well as athletes. Uh, that's there's a reason the student comes first in, in student athlete, and a lot of these guys go out there and they have to uh, go to class and everything. And the balance that they're able to achieve, and the success that they're able to have in the classroom and on the field, just you, you got to be pretty impressed by some of these uh, young young guys. Well, it's as we always do, wrap it up by reminding our listeners about the Bison Sports Podcast mailbag. Yes, uh, please. If you have any questions at all, uh, if you would like to just have your name read on this podcast, go ahead, send in questions uh, to Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that uh, will be in the show notes if, if you're looking for that uh, email address. But go ahead. Uh, this last segment, if you've made it this far, you're a, you're a real fan of the podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. Please send in something. Even if you don't have a question, send in something. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like. Uh, you can even tell us what you don't like. Uh, that, that's fine, too. We just like to hear from you. So, again, bisonsportspodcast at gmail.com for any and all uh, questions that you may have or comments about the show. And a reminder for our listeners, if you haven't already heard, it was just dropped earlier in the week. The new special Bison Sports Podcast is up and running now as we sit down and visit with new OBU men's basketball coach Jason Aker. So that, along with this one, two for the price of one this week. And both are free. How about that? That is right. We're just filling up your feed. So I hope you're not getting sick and tired of us yet. But uh, if you're not, uh, you can always catch Todd uh, on obubison.com doing all of the uh, radio broadcasts for just about every sport that we've got. So uh, always a chance to catch either Todd or myself uh, somewhere on a microphone somehow. Appreciate Roy Taylor's hard work in putting this uh, podcast together each and every week. The Bison Sports Podcast is a presentation of OBU's athletic department in conjunction with the Department of Athletic Communications. For Roy Taylor, for Cassidy Fletcher, I'm Todd Miller. We'll see you next time on another edition of the Bison Sports Podcast.